better get out of the way. Talk a lot of game, best believe me, back it up. Check the stats, they adding up. Elusive, no second us. Run the play, gotta get it how it go. When the fits and toes, trying nose, yeah, you know the scope. Run the play. Yes, this is Run the Play. My name is Obes. And I'm Cha. Shout out to Sadiq for rapping it. Shout out to Cha for producing it. I want to make sure I shout him out properly this time, since I didn't last week. Yeah. But um, yeah, this is Run the Play. This week we have another special guest. Ryan, how's it going, man? Oh, I thought that was Tej on the intro, man. No, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> you know Tej can't rap. <laughs> Teflon T's on the beat. <laughs> Dropping bars. <laughs> Every other Tuesday at Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> you know he gets it in. I could see that, actually. I could absolutely see that. T's. <laughs> I'm not gonna slay to that man. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna say Tej up there in the in the in the red MAGA hat with it backwards, spinning bars like that dude in the barbershop. <laughs> They got a stool for him to stand on and everything so everybody can see him. <laughs> <laughs> Teflon Tej, man. Never sticks. <laughs> nothing. Nothing, never nothing sticks. ever. Ever. Yeah, Drake out here in these tweets, man. People have tried, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like for years we're trying to get this man out of here. Does not work. He gets away with it on Twitter. Every <laughs> time. Think about that. <laughs> Every time. It's honestly... I am in awe. Like every like some somebody like like every week somebody dig out like that tweet about uh, the hat. This, this, this is kind of a family show, so I'm not gonna go into what the hat is. But y'all know, y'all know what right, the right. hat is. Right. Like 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 even like his own wife is getting in on that shit, and he, he still <laughs> skates every week. Like, bro, bro, think about it. This man, he's married, and his spouse is active on Twitter. Mm-hmm. He is a lawyer, and yep. like people are like ripping Kamala Harris up and down for being a cop. Mm-hmm. He's a lawyer, and he always tweets something wild. Like I just retweeted something wild that he just tweeted. Like, <laughs> and he gets away with this once a week. Every week. How come it's... nobody has stopped this man? Okay, I'm sorry, I derailed this thing like two minutes in. But nobody has stopped this man, and I, it's a grievance. I'm filing a grievance. I'm tweeting Jack. I'm tweeting the FBI because this I don't know what he's got on the internet as a whole, but he's got some damning evidence. And he keeps getting away with this. <laughs> I don't know how he does it, but he does every week. It's it's kind of amazing. But anyway, like I said, we have Ryan here, <laughs> e- aka Eagle Eye nineteen oh six. You're the host of the Kids Wear Crowns podcast, is that right? Yeah, don't call this a podcast. Thekidswearcrowns.com. Every new episodes every Wednesday when we're active. Um, so we're in season four right now. Make oh. sure you peep it. Oh, um, cool. We're we're about to do like three more episodes before uh, we take a break before the new year. Um, but yeah, yeah, Spotify and Apple Apple Podcasts. And somehow, in the midst of all of that, and your job, and all of that, you find time to be a husband and father of two. I don't understand how you're like Superman out here. I don't understand how you're doing this. <laughs> Man, let me tell you something. That is... That is my escape. <laughs> the podcast is the escape, man. And, uh, you know, nah, but I mean, it's all good. You, like, I'm, I'm doing things I enjoy. So... Mm-hmm. As far as my wife is concerned, like, at least I'm in the house doing it. So, like, she can right. see me instead of it being like, dang, you ain't never home. <laughs> uh, so, like, I, I, I'm cool with that. I get I get to do my podcast once a week. I get to 
play my Switch and my PS4 every night, man. I'm I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> bad, bad. Well, with all that being said, Chai, what do we have up first? First up, we got to talk about this past weekend in college football. It was a crazy one. So, <laughs> I told y'all last week when, when Tej and I picked the games that I didn't understand why anybody was picking Michigan to beat Ohio State. Now, to be fair, to as fair as I can be to Michigan fans, most of what they were talking about was like, you know, I don't know if y'all saw the um, the second trilogy of Star Wars films, episodes one, two, and three, where George Lucas says that uh, these three should rhyme with the, the original trilogy, four, five, and six. So there's like, you know, basically same similar sequencing. Basically, what I heard was people saying, well, 50 years ago we beat Woody Hayes' best team, and this looks like it could be Ryan Day's best team, so history's going to repeat itself. Nigga, that shit did not repeat. <laughs> Ohio State beat Michigan 56-27. to And at times, honestly, did not feel that close. Like, Michigan got up to like a seven nothing lead. They look great. Six on the nothing. First drive. Six nothing. They so missed that. Right. They, they missed, missed extra that point. extra point. That's right. They couldn't and even I, do that right. That, and they so felt good. Go they so felt. Yeah. Right. 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 And <laughs> they so felt good about that six nothing lead. I mean, the, the big house was rocking. I could see. I could see them with the, with the keys and whatever. Whatever else they were like, doing. This is it. This is the year. <laughs> it, this was not the year. <laughs> And like so, like my man Justin Fields out here. First of all, he got hit in the in his left knee, and I still can't tell if it was a dirty play or not because you never know with these Michigan guys. It didn't always used to be dirty plays for Michigan players. They used to have some semblance of class, but that's disappeared mm. after losing seventeen of nineteen. To, so, I mean, wouldn't you, yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't you be frustrated too? I would. I would be. I would be. You, if like you are more two than seventeen like my, my, in the last two decades against one mm-hmm. team. <laughs> I would be frustrated. That's true. I would be frustrated. That's true. So um, I'm gonna so, break a leg too. So like I'm like I'm sitting here just like everybody else is Twitter. Like oh shit. Well, all the black people on Twitter. Like oh shit. There goes because when it was black quarterback, especially at like the like premier programs, right? Like like in Ohio State and Alabama, right? If USC ever somehow had a black quarterback, a USC. When like if we like we feel like that's like it's one of us, right? So like it's like oh mm-hmm. shit. There goes our quarterback. No, all of a sudden, like three plays later, <laughs> this nigga jogs back onto the field and throws like his best pass of the game, a <laughs> touchdown after sprinting like a dead sprint to the left sideline, <laughs> sees an open receiver like open by like six inches, flips his <laughs> hips, throws a laser. That John like, was cold. That John was shit? cold, man. Justin Fields amazing. is amazing. How's one in twenty twenty? Unless the Eric King got something to say, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Ryan, what did you think about that whole Ohio State experience over Michigan yet again? So I missed most of that game, but it's honestly because I knew exactly what was going to happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was actually like I was actually on the road driving from uh, from Birmingham up to northern Alabama. Just to, went from seeing friends to seeing family. And something just told me like game's going to get out of hand. Like they were hyping up this whole. Uh, you know, Michigan trying to get revenge and the khaki man is going to, you know, uh, spoil the party for Ryan Day. And it just kind of kept getting this hype that was like undeserved. And you know what happens like every time it's, it's like the, it's like the, the culture thing, the culture team on Twitter. 
anytime you start hyping up a team for a quote unquote revenge game, you know they're finna get like the brakes beat out of them. So I think I looked up at one point in time when Ohio State first started pulling away, or when Ohio State first took the lead. Like it was close, I went like kind of close, and then Ohio State kind of took the lead again. And I was like, here we go. Like this is it. Goodbye, Jim Bar- mm-hmm. Jim Harbaugh. Like you just kind of I don't like I, I and I'm gonna be honest, I haven't like kept up with a lot of Big Ten football this year. Like I've paid a little bit of attention to Minnesota because y'all know me, I like chaos. Um <laughs> but but I haven't really been able to watch them a lot this year, but from what I can tell, it's kind of same old, same old. Like nothing has changed, and it's kind of disappointing in a sense. Like Jim Harbaugh back to Michigan was supposed to be the Cinderella story. It was supposed to be the he was going to bring Michigan back to glory, and it's just been like it's been disappointment. Like that's kind of the nicest way to put it. Well, I think where we got to start is that uh, Michigan's so-called greatness, like the the concept of that is mostly manufactured. I mean, they what they have like a half a title in the modern era of college football. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just like they they never actually been as great as advertised, but they have a lot of um, members in the media, and so the narrative is always manufactured to where they're they're a top ten, top five team to start the season, but they're not actually top five caliber. Of a team. And that's kind of that's kind of always been my problem with blue bloods in college football. Like I've mm-hmm. kind of that that's one of been like one of my biggest gripes because you have a lot of Miami fans that are just like simply delusional, right? Like <laughs> they still think it's 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 nineteen eighty eighty four or two thousand and one. Like they still think that they're that, and people don't realize that these kids, man, they're like you're recruiting eighteen year olds who were born in two thousand and one. They were babies the last time you were relevant. You know what I'm saying? Like. Mm-hmm. You, I understand it's a prestigious program and it's it's one of the blue bloods of college football and blah blah blah, but there be, there comes a certain point where you kind of can't tack on that prestige. Like Minnesota, if Minnesota and Michigan had the same record, you know that Michigan would be higher ranked. Yeah, because of who they are, because they've existed simply existed longer, and that's kind of always been like my gripe with things because Michigan hasn't been relevant. Yeah, here we are. Like, when's the last time Notre Dame did something other than Manti Teo's imaginary girlfriend? Oof. But they have their own network. Like, they have their own contract with NBC. And we get to watch all of their, you know, mid-tier games every single week. Like, that's always kind of bothered me about the sport. And that's why I'm, like, a, a, a fan of chaos. Or just seeing really good teams like Ohio State just kind of put people out their misery. So, speaking of chaos... A team that is very much relevant, like they've been to every playoff. This will be the first time they're not in the playoff, which is frankly remarkable. Alabama lost to Auburn in the most Iron Bowl way imaginable. Uh, okay, so as a as a you as a UAB fan, I'm sure you I'm sure you was out here, <laughs> you know. Oh, oh, let me. Can I clear my throat now? Let me let me start by saying. I have nothing against Nicholas Saban and the players on the Alabama Crimson Tide. What I do have a problem with is the Alabama Board of Trustees and a lot of their oh, fan yes. base. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yes. anytime I can, I can watch them just kind of suffer a little bit, <laughs> just a tiny bit, just kind of be brought back down to earth, it sort of makes my day. Like, I I was sitting there watching that game. So I was watching two games at the same time. I was watching the Iron Bowl and I was watching, you know, UAB. And... I just kind of kept looking up periodically and seeing Alabama do non-Alabama things. 
And it was like bewildering because they don't lose that way. Like they don't, they don't lose off of a 12 man, an illegal substitution, right? Like you beat Alabama because I don't know, you just simply outplayed them or, you know, they miss a kick like they did at the end or whatever, but they never, that what's supposed to happen in a regular Alabama Auburn game is Auburn gets stopped there on third down, has to punt, and somehow Alabama comes back and scores, and then they win the game. And now they're in the playoff. But yeah, we had this. It's like Auburn, it's like Alabama loses in the conventional way unless they're playing against Auburn. So like, <laughs> Absolutely. So, like, right. so, so, so you remember, what was it 2013? So six years ago. 13, yep. Kick six. So Nick, Nick Saban argues, I'm sure to his regret, for one extra second, so he can attempt like a field goal that he knew his kicker couldn't make. Like he, he's, he has not had a good kicker during his entire tenure at Alabama. He always had good kickers at Michigan State. He can't get one at uh, Alabama. That's neither here nor there. So, <laughs> dude kicks it short, gets taken back 108 yards <laughs> for, for a touchdown. The most Auburn at the time, I thought the most Auburn way for Auburn to win the Iron Bowl. And Absolutely. then this past weekend, Gus Malzahn. You know, former high school coach extraordinaire pulls out something he probably hasn't run since he was coaching back in Arkansas. Who can't develop a quarterback, by the way. But yeah, okay, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it has been a few years since Mitch Mustaine, right? Um, so like he, so he he lines up the punter at wide receiver. Nick Saban realizes too late that oh shit, that's a punter, not an actual receiver. This is some kind of trick play. So they run out their regular defense only to forget that they still have the punt returner <laughs> way downfield. So he's now they have 12 chilling. men on the field. Say that again. I said, he who's just out there chilling. He was just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'm out you, here. Now I'm sure he had the responsibility to be like, Oh shit, something's happening. I should run off the field. But I mean, these are all, these are kids, right? That, that right, would have gotten right. probably an NFL team as well. Uh, in that situation. So like, so unless you drill for that and who, I have never seen anybody run that particular set. It was the foul. No, it was it, it, it was, was very smart. It was smart, but it was so foul. It was just like I didn't like for me as a, as just a fan of of football. I wanted the game to like end in like you know a smash mouth way, like a it's like fourth and 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 like twelve. Like last second toss up and it's over with. You know, I didn't want it to end like that. I, I just felt Cha. like anticlimactic. All right, Cha. what's that? Cha. Was that it was an SEC it was an SEC game <laughs> in which ninety plus points were scored. There was nothing conventional happening in that game. Nope. We have it we have an Iron Bowl where ninety plus the same conference that made fun of the Pac twelve for the air raid and the all of the offensive showcases of calling it not real football, only to turn around and have their biggest marquee game with like a 48 point explosion in the second <laughs> quarter, like nothing was going to end normally that game. And you know that, you know that. All true. <laughs> All true. That was like, literally that was, I saw, um, what's my man's name that writes for every day should be Saturday. Uh, Spencer Hall. He's Spencer like, Hall. He's, oh, yeah, okay. Okay. I just know his Twitter name, bump your lips. Yeah. Spencer. <laughs> Spencer Hall. The, the the greatest college football writer in America. 
He said that's the most Iron Bowl Iron Bowl I've ever seen. I think he's right. <laughs> like for, 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 for Gus Malzahn to pull out some high school shit, they probably hasn't run in like 20 years to beat Nick Saban. I, and you know Nick Saban was furious because he, he said as much in the post game. He goes, like, I didn't think it was fair. Like, it was absolutely fair to do that. Absolutely. That was just smart. Because, like, I, cause honestly, like, he's looking at his defense. He's like, if I put these niggas out here for one more drive, we are not going to stop them. We need to do something weird so we can keep the ball. <laughs> That's absolutely it. That's the best part is Gus Malzahn acknowledged, yo, if they get back on the field, we finna lose. Like, and he, he lined the punter up out wide. Can we talk about how ridiculous that is? Like, oh, yeah. you just going out there. Like, I don't blame them for not seeing that. You lining up on the line of scrimmage, you just being like, hey, yo, who the hell is that? Like, <laughs> I ain't, I've never seen this dude line up outside. What does he do? Oh, that's the punter. Oh, yo, like, check out now, immediately. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, imagine the thought process for everybody on that defense as they slowly look up and realize the most unathletic person on the team is lined up out wide. The thing that's most amazing to me is there is only, like, five situations out of... Think about every possibility that there is for a college football game, right? Every possible scenario, play down and distance there's only like five situations you can even run that play or think about running that play there's le- there's about a minute left alabama is out of timeouts and it's fourth and less than five so the penalty that ensued would give you the first down and let you keep the ball if it had been fourth and six they couldn't have done that they would have had to actually punt or nope. actually go for it but here's the other part that somebody pointed out to me after the fact there was no way in hell that Gus Malzahn was going to let that trick play actually go through to fruition and have Bo Nix be a blocker for the punter. So if you're Nick Saban, had he ever seen that play before, he would have said, all right, if they're really going to let Bo Nix be the blocker, just have just everybody just beat up the quarterback as you rush to, quote unquote, try to block the punt. So what would have happened is, had Alabama just done nothing, so let's say they didn't even notice that the punter was lined up a receiver, that probably would have been their best bet, was to just not notice the guy was there. Yeah. Auburn would have had to take a timeout, because there's no way they're going to let Bo Nix <laughs> for, for the punt. Instead, Nick Saban sees it like a second too late. The punt returner does not see it. And then they have to just end up getting a penalty, which by the way, it's, it's interesting. I've never seen a situation where um, there's 12 men on the field and the penalty gets called before the ball is snapped. Normally you have to snap the ball before they call that. Instead, Bo Nix just starts pointing. It's like he was looking at the ref and goes, hey, they have 12, they have 12. And the ref was like, oh, they do have 12. And then they call the penalty then. I've never seen that happen before either. So that was also very interesting. I, I have seen that happen. I was trying to keep the UAB references to a minimum, but that is exactly how Middle Tennessee lost to UAB in the conference championship last year. Like, that's exactly what happened. They had 12 men on the field, and before they even snapped the ball, the refs noticed it, called it, because they were set. And I think that's the thing, is that they were set. Nobody was coming off of the field, which would have saved them. If somebody was moving to the sideline, they would have been okay. But because they were set and not moving and the ball was now ready for play, that's when the flag came out. Uh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. But but it is funny that you mentioned that Alabama could have literally done nothing and came out better in that situation. 
Like, oh yeah, there, just there was no there. way. So basically, I was going to call timeout. Ba- basically, call timeout. if like Nick Saban had been an, an incompetent coach and didn't notice that, they would have won the game probably. Ain't that had a much better chance? Ain't, for ain't sure. that funny? If, if Nick Saban was like Dan Quinn, they would have. Yeah, they, they would have. <laughs> oh yeah, they Dan Quinn would not have noticed that shit. He would have been like, "Wow, it's interesting that they put that that uh, scrawny white guy out there every season." Wow, but, okay. is that a, is, who's that? I've never seen that before. Who's number nine? <laughs> Kyle, throw the ball on third and one. <laughs> Still hurts. Still hurts. <laughs> I see. I see. That, that'll, that'll never go away either. That's the crazy thing about it. It'll never. That will hurt. It, it'll never go hurt away. forever. It'll hurt forever. I don't want to talk about I'm it. I'm sorry. I, I don't okay. want to talk about it. It's okay. <laughs> Damn, just run the ball right there and we'd be okay. We'd, we'd have a ring. I'd never care about football again. <laughs> Well, before we move on, I just want to make one note that um, I was the only person in the world who picked Wisconsin to beat Minnesota, apparently. I was just about to bring that up, yeah. Because every single person was talking about, oh, Minnesota is uh, was it undefeated or whatever, or one loss. I don't know what it was. One loss. One loss, loss Minnesota. And I'm like, since when is Minnesota a difficult place to play? To Wisconsin, that's just a regular away game. I'm sorry. I'm sure Minnesota's. I mean, Minnesota's a good team this year, but hey, that wasn't like Penn State playing at like um, Happy Valley. People were saying, but I don't know. I guess people just need a narrative. Like just like Wisconsin been beating Minnesota all these years. When would why would it stop now? That was my logic. Well, well, people people don't realize that the the problem with Minnesota this year is that they ran into Iowa and Wisconsin at the end of the season, and I've said it a thousand times before. Iowa and Wisconsin will never win a championship. They only exist to get in everybody's way. That's it. <laughs> and so, unfortunately for them, they just ran into the two teams who only exist to ruin your season. Like, that's their only purpose. I'm convinced. Like, Kirk Ferentz goes, what, like 8-5 and five every single year? Basically. Except yeah. for that, that one time they almost made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And even then, like, lost to Michigan State, yeah. And lost to Michigan State, <laughs> who went and got the brakes beat off of them by Alabama the very next game. Yeah. So, it's mm-hmm. like... Probably to his benefit there. that he didn't go to the playoff. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> the, the New Year's Six game was way better for him than. I remember, like, like, I was at that game. That was that was bad. Jesus. Like Iowa um, only exists to score like sixteen points and then hold you to twelve. Like that's their goal. Yep. So, I, I I can't blame you for picking Wisconsin because it does make sense. But like, yeah, that's the role they've always served. Is like, oh, you're having a dream season. Be ashamed if somebody ruined it. Like. <laughs> that's them that's what they do yep yeah i say that yeah she was wild i was like because i was watching i was like you know because minnesota beat them last year so i was like hey you know minnesota's actually good this year that's maybe true. they'll do it they'll probably that's do true. it again and they did not and i mean having said all that i think pj Fleck is a great coach to see what he's doing at minnesota who hasn't been good since glenn mason was there like the early 2000s wow um, well, well I, I should say not like consistently good. They they would win like what they would do is they would front load the schedule with really easy teams. So they'd get to like six, they'd be six and oh, would be bowl eligible. Then they would like go like has eleven game seasons back then. So they would go like uh two and three down the stretch, it'd be eight and three. Everybody would be like, All right. And then eventually <laughs> they won ten games one year and they were like, Yes, this is who we are. We're a ten win Minnesota program. Oh yeah. And then like, you know, back down to six wins, they're like, Oh, you're fired. I'm like, Y'all forgot who y'all were. This is not the field in Yost era. Like y'all are not national championship caliber 
ever again in life. <laughs> so, <laughs> I feel like there's so many programs like the coach like maxes out what the program can do. And that becomes like the new normal for people. Now, because like it'd, it'd be one thing if it was like Mark D'Antonio with Michigan State where they win like 11 games in six out of seven seasons. Like that is a new normal. But if you win right. 10 games like once, that's not the new normal. That's just, wow, what a great season that we just had. And too many people think, oh, we won it. We did it all this year. Like, like I don't think it's reasonable for Minnesota fans to expect P.J. Fleck to win 10 games again next year. It'd be great if he, for them if he did. But like they just didn't expect 10, 10 wins a year at Minnesota. I think right. that's kind of like if he does, he's okay. You have an all time great coach, but the, I mean, that, maybe, that's, maybe an, that's an talking, unreasonable expectation. Maybe we're talking about the MAC conference, like maybe you know what I'm saying? But we're talking about the Big Ten, not in the Big Ten, not with all them powers. Nah. Well, you know, like I think well, the years, mm, the years that, that they don't mm. have to play Ohio State, they should win 10 just because they only have to play two tough games. Well, like, right, just, like, like I mean, by, by just Wisconsin, you see, oh, oh, you know what? They're, they're, like, they're, okay, they're in the so weak like, side of the Big Ten, huh? That's exactly. true. Yeah, yeah, true, yeah. true, true, true. Yeah, and I mean, on the other side, like the, the Big Ten. Let's be real. It's Ohio State, it's Penn State. Whenever James Franklin isn't farting around, mm-hmm. and who are we? Are we scared of Rutgers? Like, are we scared of Nebraska? <laughs> like, I, they could eat. They could legitimately make a case to be the third best program in that conference within a few years if Fleck is consistent enough because again back to the whole relevance thing if I'm a 15 year old kid right now and I see Minnesota rattle off you know like three straight eight plus win seasons and Michigan comes calling me and it's Michigan or Minnesota who do I right now have a better chance of winning a national championship with probably out of those two schools would be Minnesota because Minnesota like we just said is on the weaker side so it's easier for them to get to the Big Ten championship game, and and all you got to do is luck out and beat Ohio State once. I mean, it's e- it's easier said than done, but it's all it takes. Or or luck out and hope that Ryan Day is more like Urban Meyer and slips up against Michigan State every because the Ryan Day will never lose to Michigan, but he might lose to Michigan State. And the years that that Michigan State's really good and can beat like Ohio State two out of every five years. Then that that's year that Minnesota can win the Big Ten and go to the playoff because they're not going to be they're not going to beat Ohio State, but they can beat a team that beats Ohio State. Right. No, I think it's totally fair. So yeah, I guess you know he's he's got he's got his work cut out for him. But he's going to keep winning ten games a year because like your 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 success can ultimately be your downfall, as Mark D'Antonio was learning at Michigan State. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, do enough to win, and set the new precedent, and then leave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, okay, guys, you are a ten plus one program now, and I'm going to Auburn. Right, like, like uh, Texas actually reached out to Mark D'Antonio before they hired Charlie Strong. Oh wow! Yeah, and I think about that Mark a lot. D'Antonio, again, Texas is another one, and I'm sorry, but like, relevance. Vince Young, 2005. Uh yeah, 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 2005, 14 years ago. So 18 year old recruit. Nah, in but, terms the thing of relevance. Is, but the thing about Texas, man, everybody in the state of Texas wants to play at Texas, and I don't think that would ever I mean, change. I don't think that would ever change. I, I think Texas is the one case where it's like different from other schools. Where like, and that's cool because like <laughs> I mean Alabama's always going to be the same way, mm-hmm. but 
who else are you pulling outside? Of? And Texas is a great, is a fantastic recruiting base. But as you've seen, other people are still siphoning from Texas and UT ain't really pulling those other recruiting hotbeds to make up the difference. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there's always going to be kids that will always want to play for Texas. But if Alabama comes calling that same kid, sorry, I'm going to go play for Nick Saban for the most part. I mean, there will always be outliers, but that's kind of the battle they're facing. Even if it's not going to, to render them irrelevant completely, it's enough to keep them out of the kind of the top recruiting classes because there's so many other powers that are pulling in their state. Mm-hmm. The thing about Texas is that, so we, we talk every year about how Texas should be this, they should be that. They've won three national championships in their school's history. Like Michigan State has more than that. <laughs> like, like, I think... We need to have an honest conversation about what Texas really should be because, like, yeah, on paper, they should be what Alabama is right now, but they're not. Mm -hmm. They haven't been since uh, Daryl K. Royal was the coach. And stupidly, real quick, Ryan, I know you have a rant that you want to go on in a bit. I'm going to give, like, a little quick one right now. No, by all means. Daryl K. Royal, the man that that stadium is named after, did one of the dumbest things I've ever heard of a coach doing in my life. So we all know that Texas versus Oklahoma is a huge rivalry, right? We'd all agree on that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so if you, let's say you were the coach at, you know, Bumfuck East High School, right? Right here in the great state of Texas. And your biggest rival is Bumfuck West. (laughs) You have finally finally come up with an offensive system that they've nobody's ever seen before. You matter of fact, you actually invented it, and you've just won two straight national champ- uh, state championships with it. Shit, in this day and age, maybe you even won a national championship with it in high school. Would you then go to Bumfuck West, your arch rival, and say, "Hey guys, this is this new offense that we got. This is how you run it." Would you do that? No, no, no. Daryl K. Royal did. Daryl K. Royal is the man who invented the wishbone offense. (laughs) Daryl K. Royal invented the wishbone offense because he had a running quarterback and he had three superstar running backs. And he said, man, wouldn't it be great if I could get all three of my running backs on the field at the same time? And he goes, how do we do that? So he went to his offensive coordinator and he said, we got to figure out a way to get all three of these guys on the field at the same time. And they did it, and they won two straight national championships. For a long time, the only two Texas had ever won. After they won the second one, Oklahoma calls Barry Switzer, the, who was then the offensive coordinator under uh, Chuck Fairbanks at Oklahoma, calls up, you know, just to do his due diligence, and I guess probably knowing that Derek Curry Royal was an idiot, and says, hey, can we come by and learn how you guys run your offense? And Derek Curry Royal says, yeah, come on down to 40 Acres. Teach you everything you need to know. And, and his hey, old coordinator is like, what the fuck are you doing? Why would you teach these? Like, and then Derek Royal goes, it's fine. We're all coaches. We've got to share what we know. Next thing you know, Oklahoma r- runs off a, r- like, <laughs> a run of dominance over Texas that they still really haven't recovered from until Mac Brown won that one in 2005. Like Oklahoma won... I guess, well, yeah, they won, they won three in that time that it took Texas to win another one. So it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> why, why would you show your biggest rival? You finally got one up on them. Because d- despite Texas having living in the hotbed that is the state of Texas, Oklahoma has dominated 
that rivalry. They've had better coaches, they've had better players, despite needing the state of Texas to be successful. And here you give them the tool to beat you. Because once Barry, Barry Switzer is a better coach than Derek Craig Royal. As soon as he had that offense to himself, he goes, well, we got better players. We got, we got this offense going to be better than you, than you guys running it. And they just started dominating Texas again. And I think about that all the time. It's like, bro, you finally had an offense that nobody knew how to run. And now you can really dominate the state and recruit. And you can finally put Oklahoma in second place. And you fumbled the bag. Not just fumbled the bag, like you threw the bag to Oklahoma. That, that just, mm, just bothers me so much. Like, how do you do that? He ain't even throw it. He hand-delivered it for them. He just walked over there. It was like, oh, here you go. It's your turn. Like that, we had a good run. That's, that's the most ridiculous shit I've ever heard. It's, it's, like, it's, it's not like it was coaches from like University of Florida. Like, you'll never play them. No, it's a team you play every year. And it was, it was like, at the time, one of like two main rivals in recruiting. Like, the other one being Texas A&M. I guess Houston at the time was like literally paying players in the locker room. So I guess one of three <laughs> teams that was that was like competitive with you and then recruiting. And you go, hey, here's how we run our offense that nobody else knows how to run that I that I literally just invented last year. Here you go. Like, what type of dumb shit is that? Unfortunately for Obi, we gotta talk about Dallas beating LA. Mm. 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 It's funny. It's funny because Teej was just on here last week <laughs> talking about <laughs> talking about you know the Lakers are doing da, 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 not playing well against top teams. We'll see what happens when they play against a good team. Now the Lakers, to be fair, actually did beat the Mavericks the first time they played them. I mean, it's just it's just inconvenient for me that they had to lose this game right after Teej said that the Lakers <laughs> haven't played nobody yet. But I mean, and so in the grand scheme of things. Is it good that they lost? No. Does it mean that much? Like in on the season as a whole? No. Because like they're still 17-3, best record in basketball. Um, they're still the best team. But yeah, it's 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 just really annoying that they had to lose that game right after Teach said that they would probably lose to the next good team that they played. So mm. that's my feeling on that. What what did you make of this whole thing, Ryan? Um, you know, okay. So as somebody that, that doesn't follow basketball as closely as I should, um, that is actually a game I tuned into. And right after I heard that episode of the podcast and I just laughed, um, <laughs> like, <laughs> I just, I kind of, I, I, it's one of those things that again, I don't know how Teach gets away with this stuff and how he predicts the future, but here we are here. He's done it. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. I, I think one of the one of the interesting things to me is when you see a team kind of, I'm not going to say Dallas kind of backed into their hot streak because they they did what they did on purpose. They knew what they were getting um, when when they when they got Luca and uh, when they started trying to uh, kind of assemble the the pieces together to to move on from the from the Dirk era. And I guess like we shouldn't be surprised. Because we saw what he could do last year, right? Like we saw what Dallas could be um, in spurts, and, and so I guess now that LeBron has just been kind of found has found the fountain of youth, we just kind of assume he'd be unstoppable. But to me, it makes the NBA so much more interesting because now we're gonna have competition. Like we're not going into this season just kind of watching eighty-two exhibition matches just to get to the playoffs. And see who's going to challenge the Warriors, right? Like we're we are we have a legit 
open season, especially in the West, where we don't know what the hell is going to happen. Um, and it's just fun. It's exciting. It makes it worthwhile and, and worth tuning into. That's all true. Um, I'm sure for the NBA, it's great. Uh, they, although they somehow they need to learn again how to market their product because their ratings are down for whatever reason. I mean, I, I think a big part of it is that people devalue the regular season so much. People make it all about, oh, did you win a championship? How did you do in the playoffs? Because the playoff ratings are like phenomenal. But you need and people to watch during, be. yeah. But you need people to watch during the regular season too. So you, they need to because they have all these all these uh, journalists in their pocket. So they need to first of all they, they need to change how league pass works. Mm-hmm. They need to they need to have fewer games. So eighty two games I think is too much. So people talk about how they hate load management. Well, how about you play fewer games so that people feel like they're getting adequate rest and they don't feel like Could they you- have to skip games. Could you imagine the NBA with its initial tip-off being Christmas Day? Oh, the first game like, of the season being Christmas? Yeah, first game of the season. Like, like we already people already get hyped for the Christmas Day games. And people get hyped for the kind of the opening game, but not as hyped like college football, people get hyped for for opening weekend. NFL, people get hyped for that Thursday night game that's always a dud. Um, mm-hmm. you know. College basketball is kind of suffering the same thing. And I think it's just because the sheer number of games that you play in basketball versus our attention span. But if the NBA, and and I know you have to deal with like, you know, revenue losses or revenue sharing, like you'd have to draw up a whole new CBA and all that fun stuff. But if the NBA were to start on Christmas day, that would be a ratings bonanza. And you could carry that momentum for a few days, have this whole marathon of games up until about the college football playoff, take a break come back after New Year's and then, you know what I'm saying, your your season's in full swing. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, that, that is a good idea. I hope somebody from the NBA steals that. Um, Please I think, do. I think just like cutting bucks. it, cutting it from 82 games, just like to even to 70. I used to think 60. But if you cut it down from 82 games like to 70 or 75, even that would be a significant difference in the amount of time in between games and the amount of time that you have to be able to travel between games. Because reading a study, not a study, but an ESPN article about how NBA players don't get enough rest during the season, especially when they have back-to-backs, they have to play three games in four nights. Like, there's there's just not enough time to get adequate rest. And it's like all that travel on planes, like, it adds up. And it's, it's we, we haven't done enough to study the effects of all that travel on human beings because not just it's not just on the players too think about the coaching and the training staff and all the supplemental people that have to go along with the team when they travel on the road like that mm-hmm. it's a lot so if you had more days in between games or like for example the warriors what they do is they'll travel especially if they have a if it's a back-to-back i mean you kind of have to travel that night but even if it's like you know you played on monday the next game is on thursday they will travel that night like right after the game so they can land and they can sleep like that night in the next hotel. And that way they're when, the next day they're already there and they can just get right to it. Whereas a lot of teams will wait till the next day to travel. And I guess there's some kind of advantage to traveling the night of that the Warriors have found that other teams haven't. But just cutting down the number of games, I think would pe- have people's attention more. And knowing that star players are always going to be at the game, I think will also you know, make people want be more likely to buy tickets to games, not worry that the star player is not going to play 
and be a, like be a healthy scratch because of load management. So and I think, think about that, like, that's something people need to look at. Think about the calendar time too. Like it's just from a calendar perspective, it's too long. We're starting in October and we're ending in June. Like, yeah, that's a long time. And people get tired of things. Like I said, you know, people, people, that stuff wears on people where, you know, again, we're watching the, kind of the opening week and then we'll come back Christmas and then we'll come back at, after the all-star break. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's kind of how the, the viewership uh, fluctuates. And I am interested to see um, kind of how the ratings tick once we hit Christmas and those kind of key points, the all-star break and then post all-star break and then kind of the final stretch. But I, I'm, I'm with you in the sense that it does need to be shortened at least in the, well, definitely in the calendar sense. If you're going to do it in the calendar sense, then in the game sense. And if you do start Christmas, then I think it is a good idea to go to anywhere between 60 and 65. So you can spread those games out more. That'd be, that'd be uh, so making it like 60, 65 is probably unfeasible, infeasible with, oh, uh, with, with, with the owners, but 70 and 75, I think it should be, should be pretty doable considering that towards the end of the season, if you're, so if you're a bad team, you're not making any money from those games anyway, but then if you're a good team towards the end of the season, you start resting players as it is. So I don't think you're really losing anything and it probably creates more of an incentive to play those games at the end as well. Because first of all, you're fresher. So that's just my that's something I've thought about for a long time. Like eighty two seems like such an arbitrary number anyway. It does. Like why is it why eighty two? Seventy five or seventy makes more sense to me, just from like looking at the number. Plus, if you play seventy games, like we've seen two teams win seventy games in a season, there's a chance a team could go for it and like try to run the table for a regular season with seventy games. It's way more realistic. Cause there's cause there's enough rest built in with seventy games. That you would be like, hey, we've got by far the best team in the league. Let's win every single game. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to see. Because like, with, with the way it stands now, after people people saw this, the Warriors win 73 and then lose in the finals, in part because they were too tired. I think the bigger part was that Draymond got that suspension and Steph was not mm-hmm. 100%. But a big part of it was that they expended, they expended so much energy trying to win 73 that they didn't have it when they needed it in the finals. So people will never try that again now. But if we only played 70 games, hey, why not? Why not take the shot for it? Especially if you look up and you're 67 and out. Like, why not? Why not at that point? Exactly. So, Ryan, you had a rant for us. That's what I'm hearing. <sighs> um. Okay. So I have... in. We kind of talked about me being a father, and I've, for those un- unaware, I've been a dad for about three and a half years now. Um, and that's kind of like right before that is when my transition from serious sports guy to why do I care about this so much occurred. It just <laughs> happened to coincidentally, like within that year, the the Super Bowl happened that we don't talk about. Um, but you know what? I've really realized that a lot of people just don't understand what they're watching, especially with football. I see it with basketball a lot, too. Um, shout out to Patrick. I don't know if y'all follow Patrick on, on Twitter, um, at P-A-T-T-R-I-C. Uh, Patrick is, 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 does uh, some coaching of basketball on the side, but he really b- kind of breaks down what's going on in a sense that like I'm not the type of guy who's going to argue X's and O's of basketball with you because I don't know that. So I'm not going to sit up here and tell you why you know, Kawhi is better than LeBron because I can't break it down intricately enough to tell you that. Football, though? Yeah, I can have that conversation with you. And it it just 
like it blows my mind seeing people who blame quarterbacks for everything. Um, as we hinted to earlier, talked about earlier, I'm a Falcons fan. I've been following the Falcons um, on and off since I was about eight years old when they went to the Super Bowl in, in 90. Uh, no, I was nine years old because it was 98. Um, so I've been paying attention to them and I became a real big fan when Michael Vick showed up. Um, I've, I've seen some mess, man. I've seen Doug Johnson come out on that field and Kirk Kittner and uh, what's that guy who used to work for ESPN who's terrible, um, who always had like a hard-on for everything anti-SEC? Danny Cannell. I've seen them trot out Falcons <laughs> uniforms, right? Like, I've seen these things. So when Matt Ryan comes along, and he's easily the best QB we've ever had in the franchise, and he's easily a quarterback that's in the top third of the league, and I see people say things like, we need to move on from Matt Ryan, I'm like, are you smoking? Because... The dude has been sacked. He got sacked against the Saints nine times, right? Damn. Nine times in one game. Nine. Okay? Uh, he routinely, he, he's played behind, I think when I looked up the stat, he's had a bottom half rated offensive line for at least seven of his career years. Think about that. Matt Ryan has been in the league since 2008. This is 11 years for Half for more than half of that time, he has had a subpar offensive line. Let that sink in. Sorry, my son is having a fit because he hears my voice. Um, <laughs> so so let that sink in. Like think about that. And so like, I look at things like quarterback play. Right. I, I look in and I watch quarterbacks. I look and I see um, how they survey the field. I look and see how they react to pressure. I look and see those different things. Um, another guy on Twitter who's really good for that, uh, uh, Courtney. Guy Courtney, uh, who should be, I think he's like Courtney Hendricks on Twitter. He does a lot of great breakdown. And he was like more than the main people saying like Mitch Trubisky is terrible. You know what I'm saying? And he'll show you evidence why, right? He'll show you why those things are wrong or why Mitch Trubisky is just bad. I mean, now it's obvious to everybody, but he was showing like college footage and how he's terrible with reads and how he's not an accurate passer and all those things. And so People don't see that, and I think it's because the game is so complicated. They really don't understand what they're watching, but then they give takes like they do. And it drives me insane. Like, I don't know how y'all feel about that. I don't know how, again, I'm not trying to be like a gatekeeper because I don't want to say, well, you can't enjoy football if you don't know what, you know, cover three is or what shell coverage is or anything like that. Like, I'm not that person. I don't care. Enjoy it. It's fun. But don't tell me that we need a new quarterback or that the Falcons need a new quarterback because Matt Ryan got sacked nine times because the offensive line is trash. Like, people want Tua. Tua will die behind that offensive line. He would die. Like, I'm exaggerating, but his hip is shattered, right? Mm -hmm. That's what happened to him? Mm -hmm. The other hip would be shattered. <laughs> That's how much Matt Ryan has been hit. And so, like, that kind of stuff just drives me insane. I know I'm going on tangents and whatnot, but that was my rant, basically, is I don't know if y'all notice that, people just kind of being loud and incompetent when it comes to things, especially football. But that is, like, a number one thing that people think you can just remove the quarterback and put a new one in there, and everything is fixed. I think what the, the biggest reason why people are like that is they get told all the time, a franchise quarterback changes everything. Right. And I think to, to a certain extent, it is true. So, you, I mean, you look at what the Ravens are doing with Lamar Jackson, you look at Seattle 
with Russell Wilson. You look at the Texans with Deshaun Watson. Those teams are all good teams, I would say, especially they have very good uh, rosters. They're made up of very good players. But if you took those quarterbacks off the team and put just average guys there, they wouldn't make the playoffs. So people look at, at Matt Ryan and they go, well, look at what these other quarterbacks are doing in these situations. Why isn't Matt Ryan doing that? Well, even though Deshaun Watson has run for his life most of his career, <laughs> just like Matt Ryan has, he finally has a good, like a good, not not good enough to win a Super Bowl, I don't think, but like a good offensive line, and a, and a head coach is finally is like, all right, fine, we will run things that make sense for our quarterback. You look at the Ravens; they have a great team around Lamar, and they have a head coach that's willing to make whatever adjustments he needs to make for Lamar to be successful in that offense. And then with Seattle, they've basically handed the keys to the franchise to Russell Wilson to make sure he's always protected, to make sure they can run the ball, to make sure that they have a a defense that's good enough to always keep them in the games, even on the days that he's not very good. The Falcons have not made that same commitment (laughs) to Matt Ryan. Oh, God, (laughs) no. And like I think think for people, just like the Panthers didn't make that commitment to Cam Newton either. It's like, and people don't ever look at the the administrative stuff that goes into having a successful franchise. I think it's just on the quarterback. Well, if you don't protect me with an offensive line, if you don't give me adequate running backs, if we don't have a good enough defense, we don't have a good enough offensive coordinator or a good enough head coach to draw up adequate game plans, all the stuff I do is not going to matter on the field. And the teams that are the best, the franchises that have the best teams are the ones that take care of that administrative stuff that people don't like to pay attention to. The and offensive if, coordinator. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I, but but the offensive coordinator, the current offensive coordinator of the Atlanta Falcons, dialed up on that last drive against the Saints after there were like 9,000 onside kick recoveries by the Falcons. He dialed up several plays that took five to seven seconds to develop. Mm. Matt Ryan had been sacked eight, no, seven times before that drive. You tell me. You you just tell me right now. You're an offensive coordinator. I'm I'm throwing the helmet on the headset on your head, right? Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, your offensive line has been carved up all game. You have 55 seconds and a few plays to get down the field and get in position to try and score to tie the game. Are you calling a play that requires Calvin Ridley as your number one receiver? Russell Gage is your number two, and some guy I had never even heard of running in the slot. You're asking them to go run routes who may not have perfected the skill quite as much for five to seven seconds. Not what are you telling me sense. if I recommend that play? Thank you. Thank like, you. Plus, so like if, if I'm the head coach, because the head coach, I mean, I have to assume the head coach knows all the plays because <laughs> he's the head coach. I would, I would be like, no, we need something that's more quick developing. We can't have these slow developing plays. We need something quick. That's what I would be thinking. I, and I think, it, I think it's like you said. It kind of boils down to front office, like people not paying attention to that, and the overemphasis on quarterback wins, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, so-and-so's won this many games and blah, 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 or so-and-so has many, this many fourth-quarter comebacks. And it's like, well, you know what? I love Phillip Rivers to death. But he has like the most pass attempts when down seven to ten points because he's like in hell apparently. Does that make him like this fantastic quarterback, or does that make him like this Hall of Fame quarterback because he's had all these all these opportunities and has tied the game up down this many scores? No, not really because how did they get in that situation, right? Mm-hmm. Like people evaluate 
for the wrong things because Eli Manning is a two-time Super Bowl champ. Yeah, but he kind of like Coastal he kind of forced Gump, both times. He, he, yeah, he forced Gumped his way into two rings. Like he made the two most perfect throws anybody has ever made in NFL history, and those are the best throws he's ever made. Yep. Like when have you seen Eli Manning turn up in the regular season or really turn up in the playoffs except for 2010? Never. How many times has he made it there? Three times? Basically, if he makes the playoffs, they're going to win the Super Bowl. That's the kind That's of how it. it goes. He just kind of backed into it. So it's like, and then look how trash the NFC East is, and he still couldn't get there. Mm-hmm. Like, look how trash that division has been. So it's like you can't just go off of quarterback wins. You you have to evaluate and look. There's a really good video, I think it's by Brett Coleman on on YouTube, that showcases how Matt Ryan had an MVP year last year. Like his numbers were akin to 2016. They were almost the same and didn't even get a Pro Bowl vote. Wow. Like that kind of stuff, man. Like the Falcons understandably were like four and 12. So nobody was paying attention, but the dude had put up the same numbers because he had to like the, he didn't have a choice. That was the only way they had a chance at winning games. And usually they were down 10 points in the beginning. So that kind of, you know, made a difference, but I'm sorry. That was my rant. I know like only 12 people are interested, but it's like, it's when people attribute the the game, we won't talk, we're going to talk about it, whatever. When people attribute the Super Bowl loss to him, that's not on him. The man routinely made plays to score again. Like people, we always bring up the fumble, the third and one fumble where we inexplicably called a, a deep developing pass play instead of a quick pass to pick up the first down and drain the clock some more. Devontae Freeman was like in Memphis at the time and completely forgot he had to block Dante uh, Hightower, whiffs the block, Matt Ryan gets killed, we fumble the ball, blah, blah, blah. The very next drive after New England scored, Atlanta goes down the field again. I think that was that miracle like toe-tapping catch that Julio Jones had on the sideline. Hold, run for a loss, hold again. Uh, I think it was like a 15-yard pickup across the middle. Hold again. Punt. What is he supposed to do there? Is that is, is that Matt Ryan's fault? Like, is that his fault that his lineman just became incompetent and held? Like, three straight plays? Like, that's, I think that's been my thing, is this overemphasis on QB wins. It's the same people that killed Tony Romo because he, quote-unquote, choked in the fourth quarter when, statistically, he prevailed more than he lost. Like, he was magical, but he got that label and nobody cared anymore to actually look at what was going on. So I don't know. Also, give David Garrard more credit. That's a, that's my rant. There we go. Yeah. It's time for everybody's favorite segment. College football. Because for real, honestly, fuck it. who knows who's going to win? Who knows? It's college football, baby. Who knows who's going to win? All right. And this time, it's the championship week series. Ooh-ooh. Let's get it. Ooh-ooh. <laughs> All right. All right. First game we got to talk about, man. Who is going to win? All right. Georgia or LSU? This is actually a much simpler question than people are trying to make yeah. it out to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love my Georgia friends. I do. Uh, shout out to Kathleen, my boss, who is a Georgia alum, alumna. I'm sorry, though. 
y'all 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 might get ran through the gauntlet. It might be a Hulk Hogan leg drop all day. Like, I don't see it <laughs> happening. I don't. I I really don't. No, no. Uh, LSU is so. Look, we've made on this show a lot about how LSU's defense is not quite what they want it to be. But I'll tell you what, it's been everything they've needed to be the last couple weeks. <laughs> I think they finally figured something out on defense. Uh, they're not going to shut out Georgia by any means, but they've got to figure it out. Joe Burrow's out here just like destroying worlds. He has 44 touchdowns and only six interceptions. He's completing 78% of his passes. Like, like he, He's going to break the record for uh, best completion percentage in a college football season. With the record is currently held by Colt McCoy, by the way. Shout out Colt McCoy. Another Colt guy that, McCoy. you know, underrated historically. Job. Yeah. He's he's magic, man. It's Colt. I want that but, job <laughs> Like, like the, 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 this LSU offense is just unreal. And I haven't seen anything from Georgia that makes me think that they're the ones to, to slow it down. You know what I mean? <laughs> and not, not just that, but I watched Kirby Smart, who is basically Mark D'Antonio, but at Georgia. So he's, he's he's marked Antonio but with, with, with Georgia athletes. And he's out here like basically putting handcuffs on his offense. Jake Fromm is not as good as Trevor Lawrence. He's not as good as Justin Fields. But he's a lot better than uh, Kirby Smart allows him to look on every, every Saturday. And Kirby has decided, nope, we're just going to run the ball. And uh, that's all we're going to do. And we're going to do these little basic-ass uh College passes, even though we have a guy that's going to go in the first round of the NFL draft. That's what we're going to do. And we're going to get the 16 points, and we're going to hold the other team to 13. That's how we're going to win. And I, I hate to break it to you, Kirby. Kirby not so smart. But that's not going to get it done against this, uh, this uh, LSU offense that's second in the country in total offense, second in the country in scoring, and the top 10 in passing offense with three NFL receivers. The only team that has more NFL receivers than LSU is Alabama. So... Yeah, I like I like LSU by uh by double digits, at least ten, at least ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, UGA. Sorry. So next we go over to the American Conference, a rematch of last week's game, and probably the winner will probably go to the New Year's Six Bowl, Cincinnati versus Memphis. Who you like? You want to take this one first, Obes? Sure. So I last week I said that I hoped uh, Memphis won because it increased the chances that Luke Fickle would stay at since he won more year so that he could then take over the job at Michigan State. I, I, I doubly hope game. that now. Yeah, I doubly hope that now. So Memphis, they already won by double digits last week. The game is at Memphis. So I hope they I hope they win by three touchdowns and people will go. Man, I don't, I don't really want Luke Fickle like that. Maybe he's not that nice. Then Michigan State can just be like, oh, Luke Fickle, hey, what's up? That's what I hope happens. So, yeah, Memphis again. They're, matter of fact, Memphis is favored by 10. So, if they just do that and then add like a bonus score that nobody will know was a bonus score, that would be great. So, yeah, Memphis buys uh, 17 points. There we go. I'm bitter because, of course, Memphis used to be – Memphis and Cincinnati both used to be in Conference USA. But Memphis and UAB were rivals and we were both like trash at football. Um, one of us was trash because of being literally handicapped and the other one was just trash because they were just trash. But we used to play Memphis all the time for a big old rib trophy. The trophy is literally a plaque of ribs, um, in bronze. <laughs> That's awesome. That and, is awesome. 
And I have really, like, jokes aside, I've really enjoyed Memphis's come up over the last few years, what Justin Fuente started um, and has been able to sustain. And I'm very happy for them. They should have been in the Big 12. Big 12 should have came calling. They're really stupid for passing on that and all that FedEx money. Um, but I, I think Memphis, I think Memphis is going to win, like you said, handily. I think it's multiple scores here. Um, Cincinnati has been decent, but Memphis is just a whole nother level offensively. And I don't know if there's anything Cincinnati can really do about it. Especially that shitty quarterback they got. That's just not getting yeah. done against a team like Memphis. So is it safe to assume that Ohio State and Clemson beat Wisconsin and Virginia respectively? Well, yeah, it is. It's absolutely safe for to assume Clemson will beat Virginia because Virginia's just not good. Mm-hmm. Like Clemson is favored by twenty nine points. That's I mean, Jesus. Yeah. Where, but um, I I don't think Ohio State is going to lose to Wisconsin, but you know when you have to play a team twice in the same season, especially when you blow them out the first time, it can be difficult to get young people like, you know, teenagers and people in their early 20s to focus mm-hmm. the way they need to on a team that they already blew out once. And then when you're Wisconsin, it's like, we want to get revenge. We're going to put everything we have into this game. Now, is everything that Wisconsin has enough? Probably not. But, like I say, these, these are young people who don't always listen. And when right. you don't listen, sometimes people sneak up on you. Now, this Ohio State team has been like crazily focused the entire season. <laughs> so I don't I still expect them to win by by uh three touchdowns, but I think it's gonna be closer for longer than people are comfortable with. I could see a scenario where Wisconsin is able to hold on to the football and kind of try and shorten the game. Keep Ohio State's offense off the field, all the fun stuff that you do when you just out to ruin people's seasons. Um, I could see a I can see a scenario where they keep it a one score game. Um, I just don't think that scenario is going to happen. So I, I'm with you that Ohio State, it's probably over by halftime. Yeah. Plus, like Chase Young was shut out by Michigan. He's not going to let that happen two weeks in a row. No. So now we go over to the Pac-12, Utah versus Oregon. Utah wins it, they're probably in it. Who you like? Ryan, go ahead and go first. I'm, I'm rooting for the fight in Alex Smith, man. Um, <laughs> I, I I want Utah to be that little team in the in the in the big conference that kind of spoils the party. Um, they're they're going. I think they. This is going to sound weird. I think Utah has the best chance at giving Ohio State a fight. Out of whoever's le- out of who's left over, hmm. I think Utah has the best chance um, to to give them a fight. I don't have anything statistically to back that up. <laughs> that is all good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna come in with my high take. And I'm going to see if it holds up in about a month, and I will let you know. You can call me back at that point in time. But I, I kind of, I just, I would like to see you talking a chance. You know what I'm saying? I would like to see somebody different. Um, kind of come in and see if they can spoil the party. I'm just like I said, I I love chaos. I love. I wish we had 2007 happen again, but with a playoff. Could you imagine? Uh, that would be hilarious. Uh, but since we're probably not going to get that ever again, I'm fine with Utah being the fourth seed. I take Utah. I actually was hoping that Oregon would have won out so that for sure the winner of this game would go to the playoff. Now it'll only be if Utah wins. But I just, I just don't believe in Justin Herbert. 
Um, if he was real, he would go by Justin A. Bear, but he doesn't because he's not. So <laughs> it is what it is, bro. And I just, I just think I've looked at Utah. They've been able to do whatever they want the last few weeks. Their defense is better. Their offense is better. Their quarterback, quiet as it's kept, is better. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I like I like Utah. Plus, I think I believe the game is, where is that? It's at Levi's Stadium in yep. San Francisco. And the last time these two teams played last year, Utah won. So, yeah, I, I like Utah to, to do it again. And finally, going over to the Big 12. Um, shoot, the winner of this game, if Utah loses, might find themselves sneaking in. Baylor versus Oklahoma in Arlington, Texas. They ain't, mm. they ain't letting Baylor with all them lawsuits in. That ain't happening. <laughs> that won't be that won't be good for me. That just it won't. Like I like I'm I'm making a joke, but I'm also like half serious. Like there's no way the committee looks at that and goes, mm, they just had a big scandal. Mm, it was about uh sexual assault. Mm, no, nah, no, nah, no, nope. Alabama, come back, come back, come on. We need you. Um <laughs> I do think it's going to be Oklahoma here. I do. Um, I've seen I've seen Baylor play a few times this season. Um, I, I mm, yeah, mm, they're good, but again, they they allowed a twenty eight to three. Oh God, it follows me everywhere. They allowed a twenty eight to three comeback <laughs> from Oklahoma. Um, I just I don't I don't see them being able to take a lead and put it away again. I think as you mentioned earlier, a group of eighteen to twenty two year old kids. Um, it's going to kind of be like a football version of PTSD settling back in. If they take a lead at any point in time, in that game, they're going to be timid. They are. I like Oklahoma just because it was, it was so funny. I haven't seen too many of those post game workout videos from Jalen hurts since they lost that game to Kansas state. But, um, he, he just seems, he just seems focused like against Oklahoma state. Oh, light, as we like to say on this show. I mean, he walked into that game. He's like, "We're not losing this shit. <laughs> like, I don't care what o- what Ogie Light has to say. What what they're they finna do today? We're winning this game." And I think, I I think he would have. They would for sure win if it if it looked like they were gonna have a chance to play Alabama in a bowl game. And I would have loved to have seen that. Oh, I wanted to see that so bad. Oklahoma versus Alabama again with Jalen Hurts on the other side this time, and it might happen actually if Baylor somehow wins this game. I'm sure the the New Year's Six people would love to put Oklahoma and Alabama in a New Year's Six bowl game. But uh, I just don't think Baylor's that good. Um, I mean, although, I mean, to, you got to say, their only loss is to Oklahoma, a game that they were up by 25 points. I mean, so if they could do that once, you got to think they could do it again. But I just, Oklahoma's better. <laughs> like, 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 like I said before they played the first time, Oklahoma's better. They've got the best wide receiver in college football. They've got the better of the two quarterbacks. They've got arguably the better coach. I don't know. That's actually pretty. That's close to a toss-up, actually. But they've got better players. So I think when you've got better players, you've got the best player, you've got a better quarterback, you usually win that situation. So I like Oklahoma. And a close one, though. Like the Oklahoma State by nine. They probably won't win by that much. But they'll probably win by like a touchdown or so. Yeah, I, I do think it's not going to be as wild as last time's uh, affair, but uh, I do think it's I do think it's Oklahoma that end, ends up coming out on top. I for one hope that Utah does win it so that the Big Twelve gets snubbed out of the you know the, the playoff <laughs> because you know that that'll be karmic you know just disrespecting UH and SMU 
for all mm-hmm. these years, you know, but also because I am lobbying for UH and SMU to get into the Pac-12. All right. You know, because uh, I think a Pac-14 with two uh, Texas schools and two biggest cities of Texas, that'll shake up the whole. You want chaos, Ryan? That'll shake up the whole recruiting system. All right. That's chaos. That, that, I want that. that. Yes, exactly. So you lie. Come lie with me. Come on, man. Nobody has. I, it's something that I just brought up on the show like uh, last month. I'm like, man, this, this is something crazy. Is that, that, if that happens, man. All right. Come come to the dark side, y'all. <laughs> so I'm talking come to about, the dark side. You know what I'm saying? Because if, if UH can't win it, nobody's going to win it. All right? That's all I'm saying. You know what I mean? You don't deserve to win it. We ain't going to a and bowl. You, Hope all y'all lose. Hope all y'all you know, lose. You know the thing about chaos? <laughs> What's up? It's fair. <laughs> That's it. That's all I want. That's all I want. That's all I want in this world. It's just for chaos. I want I want the ground to open up, and all of a sudden we look up, and it's it's... It's that SpongeBob episode where they're all racing snails and Patrick's pet rock wins, but the pet rock is Memphis and Memphis is number three in the country. <laughs> like that's what I want. I want I want that to occur. I want us to inexplicably have Memphis versus Clemson in the playoff <laughs> for no reason. And then all of a sudden we're looking at like Memphis and Utah for the national championship. And I was like, how did we get here? What 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 happened with this? Only in college basketball. Only that's in it, that's college true. basketball. But then the final was like forty one to thirty eight in college basketball, so whatever. <laughs> All right, do, so there's, there's, that. there's there's one more game I do want to mention. Y'all know okay. I have to. Yeah, of course. Sorry. Conference USA championship game. Of course. The 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 Blazers of the University of Birmingham versus the Fighting Lane Kiffins of Florida Atlantic, you know. <laughs> just letting you know. Um it's going down 1:30 p.m. if you actually pay for CBS Sports Network. It's going to be on there. So I I just want to let y'all know that it's going down. Um, trying to repeat as champions. All I right. would like to let all of you technical college of Louisiana fans know it's not your time. Move <laughs> out the way. I want to let all of the Golden Eagle fans from the university in Hattiesburg know it's not your time. Go away. I, I want to let, we haven't played them in like four or five years, but I want to let all the fans of Pike County University in southern, mid-southern central Alabama know it's not your time. Go away. Do better. It's blazer season. Hashtag win the day. Hashtag keep your hands off my Bill Clark. Hashtag new stadium coming in 2021. Hashtag please burn Legion Field to the ground. Hashtag I hope Lane Kiffin goes to Arkansas before the game starts. (laughs) All right, man. Shout out to Birmingham. And with that, we conclude, I guess, maybe the final, one of the last episode segments of the year. Mm-hmm. For college football, fuck them. Because who knows the actual outcome of the game, man? Fuck it. Exactly. Fuck it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, this has been another episode of Run the Play. My name is Obes. That's Shaw. That's Brian. Follow us here at Run the Play on Twitter at 10 Clock. That's T I N C L O C K. Every time I start spelling it, I'm like, oh shit, is this time I fuck up? Not today. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> Not today. Child, where can people find you at? You already know. Twitter, Instagram, at Child is Nuclear. Uh, catch me, nuclearkite.com. Um, Z's finna post his new album on there soon. It is a smoker. That joint is fire. You know what I'm saying? You like my album, you're gonna like his album too. All right. Also, I am featured on Fofo Action. Volume 2, you know what I'm saying? Nuclear Kite, go check out that uh, mixtape on SoundCloud right now. It's also my pinned tweet on Twitter. 
you know, uh, Nuclear Kite debut track as a band is on there. It's called L4L. You know what I'm saying? I killed that verse. Z's killed yep. his verse. You know yep, what I'm saying? True. So, so go ahead, listen to that. Go ahead, listen to the whole mixtape. It's fire. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to J- Jaquan, Sadiq. You know what I'm saying? They did twins. Shout out to God Body Bingo, B Val, Jaytona. Everybody was on the mixtape. It was hot. And Ryan, where can the people find you at? They can find me on the Twitter and the Instagram at Eagle Eye 1906. Um, spell out the word I, like the I in your head, not, not the letter I. Um, you can also follow the Kids Wear Crowns. You can go to thekidswearcrowns.com, go on Twitter and, and Instagram as well at the KWC blog. Interact with us there. Um, we got a whole bunch of stuff coming out uh, within the next year. We, we just had one of our, I think, our the most successful year for us views um, that we ever had coming off of another record year last year, which was our highest number since like 2015. So we got a lot of stuff coming down. Go buy merchandise. You can get shirts and everything and coffee mugs and hoodies and Dragon Ball Z style stuff on there. Uh, trying to think of what else. Um, go check out Los Angeles State versus Larry Lane for a 10 year anniversary coming up. That's yeah. Okay. Um, and then also, uh, let's see. I think that's the gist of it. That's where they can find me. Oh, nice, nice. So, for Cha and Ryan, my name is Obes. This is Run the Play. We'll see y'all next time. Goodbye. Peace.